It's never too late to get in on our BSN World Golf Tour Challenge. The whole this week is congressional number one, and when you play, you have a chance to win a BSN shirt or a gift card to a local Denver business. And every time you enter, each week is another entry for you to get into the grand prize final drawing, which is going to be a jersey or tickets to a game. So make sure you play the WGT Challenge by going to freewgt.com today. Download the app and make sure you do use freewgt.com because that's how they know you came from us. So get in on that and good luck. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast, a Monday edition, a day after edition, a morning after edition of the podcast. And of course, the BSN Denver Broncos podcast is presented by Strava Craft Coffee. The code is BSN2019. The deal is 20% off. The coffee is rich and tasty, and it's CBD infused to help with any ailments you might have. So make sure you check out Strava Craft Coffee and use that code BSN2019. Well, boys, we've now had, uh, what? couple hours to digest the loss we've now had a Vic Fangio press conference and I think that's a good place for us to start because Vic as always was entertaining and and notable so Zach what was your instant takeaway from Vic Fangio's press conference let's start with probably the thing Broncos fans are most interested in getting his take on the many questionable officiating calls Ryan you know I just want to say I don't want to talk about this move on stop the excuses and that's what Vic said to open up his press conference today he said I'm going to quote Sean Payton and said we can't control poor officiating or awful calls. So end of story, right? Which is great because, one, it doesn't um, necessarily say that it was poor officiating or awful calls. (laughs) It just says we we can't control that if it was (laughs) uh, without saying the the officiating was poor and the calls were awful. It's the old thing of the former basketball coach, Billy Tubbs, who took a mic at an Oklahoma-Mizzou game when fans were throwing stuff on the court and said, the officials have asked that regardless of how terrible the officiating is, please don't throw anything on the floor. And, of course, he gets a technical foul and the place goes nuts. But it's a He got a tech for that? Yeah. It's a oh. passive-aggressive way of taking a shot at the refs without doing so that he can probably get away with. But that being said, I'm sure that he was made aware of the comments of his players about the officiating after the game. And Vic Fangio, having been around the NFL for three decades, understands that's not going to do any bit of good at all. It's not going to do any bit of good at all, and that's how I feel about it. So all is said and done, right? The officiating, move on. Vic doesn't care. It's a non-story. Continue with your day. Incorrect. (laughs) Incorrect because Vic Fangio couldn't help himself. And... (laughs) I don't blame him. Um, he has an opinion. It's hard for, for someone to hold that in. But he was asked an interesting question, which was, can you take any solace in the fact 
that the roughing the passer on Bradley Chubb was called by the letter of the law. <laughs> and he essentially said, not essentially, he said it wasn't called by the letter of the yeah. law. So that was the first one. Then later he was asked about the one second on the end of the clock. And this is the most um, interesting part to me. He was asked, did you believe there was one second on left on the clock? And he said, I don't think there was. They're assuming a lot there. He went down with one second. And nothing in life happens simultaneously. There is lag time there. And he also added that the referees will tell you, hey, there's lag time. You, you don't get to call a timeout at the exact second the player went down. And I think if that message was conveyed to him at any point, he has a case. If the refs are telling you, hey, look, it's not possible that the second they're going down, you're calling a timeout. There's always going to be a little bit of a lag. You have to have time to call the timeout, and we have to have time to blow the whistle. That takes a second there. So I understand that if that's the message that was conveyed to him. Yeah, well, let's speak of letter of the law with that one. If that is in the rule book and officials are told things can't happen simultaneously, just like Vic is saying, then Vic does have a case. Or, like you're saying, earlier in that game with this officiating crew, if he was told that, then, yeah, he has a case. But there wasn't really any point in time earlier in this game where you would imagine the officials are telling Vic that that's the case. Uh, so if another officiating crew told him that, well, it, it does kind of change with officiating crews. I can see that. But it is interesting because if those things weren't true, then, uh, Ryan, I don't know, you and I kind of talked about it. A, a head coach can be standing next to an official going, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, you know, and, and then it can happen simultaneously. Or a millisecond afterwards. Right. But what did he tell Matt Nagy? What was told to Matt Nagy? Because he's right there with an official on that far sideline. And it's pretty typical for coaches to give a heads up to the official to make sure that official is looking out for the timeout call to say, look, we're going to be taking a timeout immediately after this. Right. So it's like it kind of works both ways here. Imagine you're playing Madden, right? And to call a timeout, you press the, the select button. <laughs> right. Yep. Well, you can't call a timeout while the play is happening, so it doesn't do anything. But you're just (laughs) just hammering the select button while the play is in. And as soon as the player goes down, timeout. And this is why in basketball you always see those huddles that the officials have around a television monitor when they're trying to decide, okay, do we have four-tenths of a second on the clock or seven-tenths of a second? I was tossing it out there in the media room uh, a little while ago. You wonder if something like this will cause the NFL to offer some more clarity on this regarding lag time because lag time gets into something that's really hazy. And one thing they always or mostly like to do when they make rules changes is turn things from hazy and vague into concrete and clear. Mm. And is it possible that this leads to something like putting tenths of a second on the clock like in the NBA or college basketball in the last minute and also saying, look, if you get that timeout in and the the player is either giving himself up or tagged down, if Chris Harris Jr. doesn't tag Allen Robinson, he's clearly giving himself up, that you can take that timeout and get the stoppage instantaneously. Because in that last minute, as we see in basketball, they're always going to try to maximize that time left, and the tendency is to give the team calling the timeout the benefit of the doubt. Right. You're, you're exactly right about that. So, guys, on this one, do you agree with Vic Fangio? 
No. Uh, no. No, I don't. I understand. I believe he has a bone to pick. I believe there is a lot that needs to be unpacked there. I believe that that should be very, very reviewable. I think if the shoe were on the other foot, he would have been saying we were calling that timeout. Right. This is all about just you're trying to get the win, but I think if he were in Matt Nagy's shoes, he would be and it gone against him. He would be making the argument, I was calling timeout. He wouldn't be settling and saying lag time. But there should be a review with audio that is a frame by frame. Okay, with tenths of a second, by the way. How many tenths of a second were on the clock when his knee touched down? Okay, how much time elapsed between the time his knee touched down and the time the referee made eye contact with Matt Nagy, who was calling the timeout? How much time elapsed between the moment that Matt Nagy called that timeout and the moment the referee blew his whistle? And maybe once you add up all that lag time that happened in between all those moments, maybe it does add up to a second and you say, hey, look, the referee did not get his whistle out and blow it until there were zero seconds. And that's not his fault. That's just lag time. That's what happens in these situations. That should be reviewable to me. But in the end, he was down with one second left, and they awarded a timeout with one second left. So at this point, you can't be sour about it. So roughing the passer, do we agree with Vic Fangio? Yes. Yep. Yeah, bad call. Bad rule, first of all. It's a bad rule because they called it the same way. Like I said yesterday, this is the – Pitch six inches off the strike zone that you're calling a strike for both teams because the Bears were the Bears were the victims of this sort of call on Eddie Goldman earlier in the second half. At least they're calling it consistently. It doesn't mean that they're calling it well or that it's a good rule. But, but you have to be aware of the fact that Charles Leno shoved him down so and got his face mask. Right. So you are. Um, if you're an offensive line coach, why wouldn't you say, hey, if your guy's uh, about to take the quarterback down, go ahead and give him a shove so he has no, no way to get off. Because Bradley, not to mention Bradley Chubb's in a compressed pocket. There was nowhere for him to go. He couldn't, you know, swing him down or roll one way or the other. He hit him in the tiniest little window there, and then we was shoved on top of him. It's the same discussion we have about players in the defensive backfield or playing inside linebacker being able – to avoid some helmet-to-helmet collisions what they are, or avoid hitting a defenseless receiver. What they are asking of these guys defies physics. This is, not, this is not simply just it's a bad rule. This is going against the laws of science. What are you supposed to do in a collision sport where this sort of thing happens? Again, if pass interference is reviewable, is that, why isn't that reviewable? Right. Well, and, and according to Vic Fangio, it, it's not just a bad rule. He didn't say that, but it was a bad call on that. And the he, NFL he is defending it. it. They're right. calling it a judgment call. So right. they defended Adrian Hill and his crew on this. But we've already opened Pandora's box by saying, hey, uh, pass interference, which is to a judgment call, uh, that's reviewable. We're heading down a path where, in the end, everything's going to be reviewable. There's part of me that says maybe nothing should be reviewable and don't even show the replays on TV and let everyone be left to their own devices to decide what they thought happened on the play. But we're we're way too far down the other path. So the path is going to be eventually everything's going to be reviewable. In this case, it would have benefited the Broncos. The Patriots propose that almost every year, guys, to make everything reviewable. It's a standard Bill Belichick thing. And the other thing that you need to change is in this – is irrelevant to this situation. But if you keep getting challenges right, you get to keep calling them. You call as many as you want until you get one wrong. I'm a- I actually agree with you on this. I like it. 
that it you get to you get two failed challenges, but you get unlimited successful challenges. Mm. I, well, I, no, I think once you've lost one, then you like the let's then you gone. only get one more. But but no, that's what I mean. You lo- let's say you you get the first challenge right, and then you lose the second one. Then you're done. Then, no, see, I say you get one more because you had the successful one. You're allowed two failed challenges. Boy, you guys want like five hour games? See, These that's games aren't long a- enough for you. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> If you never get it wrong, there's no way you can say you, you have to stop challenging. Right. It's like you keep getting it wrong. It's not right. my fault you keep getting it wrong. You right. want you want to shorten the game, you uh, start running the clock after incompletions Please, no. the rest of the game. What if you just start running the clock with one second left? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What if yeah, you just yeah. don't award timeouts <laughs> when the clock is ticking down? Ryan, you know what is reviewable? That's the play of your left tackle. Mm, and yes. Vic Fangio last night, uh, obviously we wrote a story on it on bsndenver.com saying that Garrett Bowles is our left tackle. But he also said that he hadn't watched the tape and didn't see every one of his penalties. Well, he has watched the tape now, and simply, not just with Garrett Bowles, but with the entire team, he says we need to play without holding. You have to read between the lines to understand what Vic Fangio said here today because I have people in my mentions already being like, I'm so sick of the Broncos <laughs> defending Garrett Bowles. It's time to bench him, blah, blah, blah. Vic Fangio did not say, I love Garrett Bowles. He's my guy. He's the best. <laughs> he said uh, he basically has no other option. He said, he essentially said, what do you want me to do? Start Jake Rogers? Obviously, that's not what he said, <laughs> but that's what he implied. But I do think that, and it was brought up at the press conference, I do think the notion of sitting Garrett Bowles for a series or two is something that you have to consider. Again, think of it like a point guard who just had a couple of turnovers and threw a, a cross-court pass into the second row. Right. Well, then you take that guy, pull him out. Maybe he sits, especially in the college ranks, maybe he sits next to the head coach or the assistant. They watch for a couple minutes, and you put him back in there. Sitting Garrett Bowles out for one possession, having him stand next to Mike Munchak, and Munchak kind of work with him and say, okay, what are you seeing? What's going on here? On the mental side of it, I think that could have given him a necessary chance to refresh. But what Vic Fangio is basically saying, because that very question was asked to him, can you do that? And he basically said, our options are so bad that no, we can't do that. Exactly, and he said, you know, we're we're going, we possibly might add some some depth at tackle this week, but it depends on who's out there. Well, I'll tell you who's out there. It's guys that are worse than Jake Rogers. That's who's available. Here's your question: If Garrett Bowles was cut today, would he be claimed on waivers? Yes, because yes. a team okay. would look back at their right. evaluations going to the 2017 draft, he's still a first-rounder, and they'd say, we can fix him. Because there is this intellectual arrogance that exists in a lot of NFL team circles that says, we can fix a guy. And that's my point. Right. Because that would make Garrett Bowles probably the best available tackle on waivers if he's getting claimed. Right. There's, there's no magic solution out there waiting. Um, you could trade for Trent Williams, but you're 0-2. And what did we talk about last night? We talked about the fact that whether they want to admit it or not, the Broncos are in a rebuild. The last thing you need to do in a rebuild is give up, is give up draft assets for a, an old player. For what? You're giving up a top 10, top 5 pick for uh, a, good, a good tackle. No doubt he's an upgrade. But how much does he help you this year? One, two? I can't say three wins <laughs> this year. But 
that that's all you're doing. It would be a very, very short-sighted move. And uh, Vic Fangio also said something interesting with Garrett Bowles. He was asked, does a Juwan James injury limit your ability to, to take Garrett Bowles out? And he said, no, no, no. Uh, gave an answer and then said, not right now. Well, yeah, of course not right now. Juwan James isn't an option. Let's. It was, it was a very good diplomatic answer, but I think it definitely opens the door wide open and, and leaves it up, puts the little foot stopper in the door that when Juwan James is healthy, they're definitely going to be open to moving Elijah to the left. And when's Juwan James going to be healthy again? <laughs> oh, gosh. Wow. It's going to be a while. Yeah. You're, you're hoping that he's back by Indianapolis? You're hoping he's back by Drew Locke time. I'm yeah, giving I, it one week before Drew, Drew Locke is eligible to come off IR. That's why I'm saying the Colts. Mm. Game well, eight. Hopefully he's out there for when Drew gets there, if he starts <laughs> a game before Drew gets there. Of course, what's, who, what's to say you don't have another injury on the offensive line? Right. This. Uh, yeah. If you don't make a trade for Trent Williams, and again, if you're 0-2, and if you go to 0-3 next week, I don't think you can reasonably rationalize surrendering a second-round pick for a 31-year-old offensive tackle. Yeah, I mean, obviously we keep a generally positive view of things in the offseason, but we also did highlight a lot of the things uh, that are now turning the Bronco, turning on their heads, you know, rearing their ugly head, I should say. We told you about offensive line depth, and we said, look, they got no one. Uh, it's It's – who they have, Elijah Wilkinson, and no one else. And Elijah Wilkinson's out there, so now you have no more options. That's one thing that we highlighted at length. Um, another thing we said is Garrett Bowles. A lot of the season rests on how Mike Munchak does with Garrett Bowles. As far as we've seen so far, Garrett Bowles is on pace for the worst season of his career. So, we, like I said, we generally try to take a positive outlook on things in the offseason, but we also told you alerted you of what's happening right now and I know a lot of or I shouldn't say a lot but some people are upset about how negative we were after after last night a couple things one I don't know what we could be positive about even if you want to say they were close they still only scored 14 points two that's what ha- we never did uh instant reaction podcast before they're going to be a little more reactionary that's the whole point right so uh I just want everyone to keep that in mind as they're listening we haven't had time to digest that when we go through it we're still, you know, riding the emotions of the game the same way that you guys are. So when we have a post-game podcast, it's going to be a little more reactionary. That's the way it is. I don't know. I kind of feel the same way as I did last night. <laughs> I've slept on it. I still feel the same way. Fair enough. Vegas? <laughs> we think Vegas is pretty good, right? I mean, did, did, what did they – they got Antonio Brown stats like That's one of on. the most <laughs> unbelievable things I've ever seen in my life. Vegas set the over-under for Antonio Brown receiving yards at 55 and a half, and he had 56. <laughs> hey. Vegas, those those gleaming buildings all up and down the strip, they weren't built because they didn't know what the hell they were doing. But the, my question is, how do they how That's do they insane. make it look so like? Do we need to hire someone who works in Vegas <laughs> to just come sit on this podcast and tell us exactly what's going to happen every week? <laughs> well, they did miss the over under in that game yesterday, and we had that one right. Mm, we did, and you know what the people in Vegas are saying? The people in Vegas are saying the Denver Broncos are absolutely starting zero and three. What's I think they're. Line? I think it's eight, eight and, and a half, half as yep. of last night. It was eight and a half points at that Lambeau. That is, if you're a college football fan, eight and a half is nothing. If you're an NFL fan, eight and a half is monumental. Right. I think my buffs are actually about eight and a half point <laughs> underdogs this week, and I'm like, ah, oh, we're still gonna win. Right. <laughs> uh, but early the, signs aren't saying the same about the Broncos. You, you. Well, here's the thing. You rarely see double digit lines ever 
in the NFL. Right. Um, even, I mean, look at the Chiefs yesterday. Chiefs are playing the Raiders. Yeah. And what was it? Six and a half? Yep. It was six and a half. Oh, it's and seven the, and a half. Se- okay, seven and a half. And we looked at each other and said, no chance. Yep. No chance. Um, but the NFL, it's such a – there's so much talent out there that the odds makers do not feel comfortable setting big lines. What was that infamous line for the Broncos-Jaguars game back in 2013? I believe it was Broncos minus 28. Yes. <laughs> and the Broncos won by 19 in Simpsons parlance, a perfectly cromulent performance. But I remember because the game wasn't the evisceration, I've used that word twice in the last 24 hours, that people expected it to be that Broncos fans booed, booed. the team going <laughs> off the field at halftime. <laughs> right. So what I'm trying to get at here is Vegas does, Vegas believes the Broncos are bad. Yep. And until they prove differently, that's going to continue to be what's what's thought of them. Are and they going to be – because we think they're going to lose. Yeah. Are they going to be home dogs to the Jaguars with Gardner Minshew at quarterback? I don't think so. Could be even Broncos. I, I would think Broncos would be favored like one and a half or, or something like that. The Jaguars are winless, right? Yeah, and they play the Titans at home this come on Thursday night football. Yeah, I'm picking. The of Titans. course, the Jaguars then get that nice long rest <laughs> before they come to Denver. Of course, nothing is fair to the Broncos at all. The schedule makers are totally against them. But you know what's crazy? Hashtag sarcasm, by the way. <laughs> you know what's crazy is the Jaguars. It's easy for Broncos fans to pencil that as a win, right? Because it's Gardner Minshew. Well, I like Gardner Minshew so far. Mitchell Trubisky had 90 passing yards going into the final drive last night. I think Gardner Minshew can get 90 passing yards in a game. And look, the Bears won with that. What did he finish with? 127 passing yards? It was 100, yeah, 125, I thought. I think Gardner Minshew can, can like do that. that, even against a good Broncos team. I think he team. had like 117. And the Jaguars have a good defense, too. So just before got giving right them a win there, be a little cautious. Buck 20. Buck 20. 16 right. of 27 <laughs> for a buck 20. So, uh, and they didn't see. even have the, the right game plan, though. The Jaguars love to dink and dunk, especially with Gardner Minshew. Actually, that's that's the sort of thing that worries me because it, until the Broncos do some things differently, and it involves the offense as well, they're going to keep seeing these dink and dunk about half the passes delivered in fewer than two seconds. Last week it was 13 out of 26 Derek Carr throws in fewer than two seconds. Yesterday it was 13 out of 27 that were in fewer than two seconds. And the other thing to consider is that all five of the passes on that last series were over two seconds, of course. So until that attempt to come back at the end, it would have been 13 of 22 passes in two seconds or fewer. The book on the Broncos is get the ball out quickly, or if not, get the quarterback outside of the pocket. And the, one of the reasons why they can, you can do this is, yes, this takes away a lot of the deep vertical threat in the passing game but you can do that against the Broncos because you feel confident that Denver's offense is not explosive enough to where you need to push it downfield and get into a shootout you can dink dunk you can basically play the par five and get to the green in three and take your par that's how teams are viewing this Broncos team right now yeah I was on uh, Broncos beat the TV show this morning and one of the points I made as to why the Broncos defense isn't getting any turnovers is because I said when when the other team's offense doesn't scare you at all 
you aren't forced to take any risks on offense. The offensive coordinator on the other side is saying, all right, worst case scenario here is we punt. And then they get it down there and they go three to seven plays and they punt it right back to us. There's no pressure being applied on the opposing offense. All the pressure is on the Broncos because they're struggling on offense. So until the Broncos force a team to do something different and, and look, I know Aaron Rodgers actually, I think Aaron Rodgers actually leads the league in time with the ball in his hands because he loves to scramble around, but I don't think Aaron Rodgers can have any problem throwing some slants. He'll take what's there. Yeah, he'll, he'll have dice him up. He'll have no problem with it. And when Vic Fangio was asked about uh, the the opponent to come today, did you guys notice how he kind of he took a step back and, and opened his, his eyes? eyebrow arch? <laughs> yeah. He had a similar reaction yesterday when he brought up Aaron Rodgers and the, yep. the Green Bay Packers. And frankly, that probably comes from going head to head against this Packers team for the last four years in the NFC North, and even you know, even further than that in San Francisco as well. But for the Bears. Over those four years, it was a struggle against the Packers. And even last year, when Green Bay goes into Soldier Field with an interim coach, everything going wrong, they still push the Bears to the end, lose by one score. Packers beat them at Lambeau in Week 1. Vic Fangio knows this is a very difficult situation for the Broncos. All right, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here talking about Week 4. Uh, and the Jaguars. So why don't we quickly review our AFC West picks? The Chargers. Who were they? Uh, Chargers playing the Lions in Detroit. Chargers, three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Talk about Vegas, knowing their stuff. We all picked the Chargers with the points, and they bit us. They bit us. The Lions one yeah they did the vegas missed a little bit did, yeah you're right vegas vegas was off what six and a half points yeah chargers are one and one your chargers my chargers mason and i were both pretty bullish on the chargers there you were hesitant but still pulled the trigger in the end it all counts the same in the win-loss column it's true and concern one about the chargers is they didn't get to matthew stafford at all no sacks mm, yesterday no sacks. That must be a thing in the AFC West. The Chiefs at the Raiders. Raiders, as I said, Chiefs were seven and a half point favorites going into Oakland. Easy win for all of us. Raiders lose 10 to 28. If you're a betting person and you like following these lines, you can make a lot of money by waiting in to see if the Chiefs go down early and then crushing it. A lot of people have made a lot of money on the on the Golden State Warriors doing that mm. because they always come back. So uh, Raiders go up 10-0 in that game. You probably could have gotten plus money on the <laughs> yeah. money line for the Chiefs to go out and win that game, and, of course, they end, they end up winning in a blowout. All what Patrick Mahomes does is throw for 443 yards and four touchdowns. But what a weird second half. The Chiefs and Raiders both go scoreless so after halftime. It, Wow. So all I did see he threw for four touchdowns in the second quarter. That is insane. And like 270 yards in the second quarter as well. Absolutely insane. Maybe even more than that. And then to wrap it up, the Broncos hosting the Bears. Broncos three-point favorites. All three of us agreed on the Broncos covering that spread. Look, we're all geniuses. Oh, I forgot that we had the points. (laughs) We all had the Bears being three-point favorites, right? Um, yeah, sorry, the Broncos yeah. had three points. Yes. Um, so the Broncos covered that by one point, and mm. the— Great teams win. Good teams—good w- team win, but great teams cover. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you both picked the Bears, or the Broncos, to win the game. 
I picked the Bears, so a little, little kudos. And once again, still <laughs> plays the same in the win-loss column. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was only one point off my score prediction. The bankrolls are all the same. <laughs> and uh, Except for that, Mace and I have a win on you. I was just going to yeah. say, I, I, well, I wasn't going to forget that. So now the, the, the records are 5-3 and three for you guys. And uh, what is that? 4-4 four and four for me. All right, so our uh, anyone who's riding with us is in, in plus money, and your people are slightly in the negative. So enjoy your dinner if you've been follow, if you've been picking as Ryan and I have so far, because we just paid for a meal. I think um, I think Zach got me last season. So long way to go, long way to go. All right, well before we move on, uh, we got to talk about the great folks over at Breckenridge Brewery. Shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. I was at, up at Folsom on Saturday, of course. Where else would I be? And it was an early game. So we started tailgating around 8.30, 9 o'clock. Had ourselves a few strawberry sky mimosas. Oh, stop it. Strawberry sky, a little dash of orange juice in there. It was a prime morning tailgate It's like a strawberry orange juice mimosa. Mimosa with a little strawberry twinge to it. Right, and the delicious taste of beer. Oh, man, that sounds amazing. It was really good. Um, unfortunately the game wasn't quite as enjoyable for me, but if you want to enjoy your tailgate, regardless of how your team plays, get yourself some Breckenridge brews out at the tailgate. And speaking of the tailgate, this is some really exciting news. Obviously this week, the Broncos are on the road, but in week four, when they come home to play the Jags, we are going to be partnering with the sons of mile high tailgate, which is one of the best and biggest fan-run tailgates out there. It's, it's definitely a community thing where everyone's invited. And so look out for information on that. But re- we're really excited because we'll be out there uh, before the game starts, hanging out for a little while before we have to go do our jobs. And more of the BSN family will be involved. So uh, make sure you stay tuned for where we'll be. Uh, but we'll definitely be drinking some Breckeridge brews out at the Sons of Mile High tailgate slash BSN. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will get to the questions. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer like entire team instruction and fitness programs you know the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge positive attitude work ethic and fun that their summer camps provide your child will want to play on one of their teams check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more we are rolling along here on the bsn broncos podcast jumping into your questions 
And I just want to quickly say this. I know that you guys have so many thoughts on your mind after the game, but you do have to remember it's like when uh, you're like raising your hand for every question in class <laughs> and, and the teacher's like, hey, we got to let everyone in the class chime in. Zach, you can't answer the question. I know you know the answer. I was going to say, stop talking about yourself, Ryan. Right. No, it's you. <laughs> I just talked out of turn, so I'm, hey. I'm not one to talk here. But um, I just want to remind you guys, Try to keep them a little more short-winded just because we have so many people who want to get their thoughts in on the game. Try and condense it down to maybe your biggest takeaway or, or something along those lines. I don't know. I'll be excited if they're old-school fans who remember the sitcom Welcome Back, Cotter, and they go like Horshack. <laughs> the one person who knows what you're talking about is really on, ba- really on base with you there. Base. All right. The first question here comes in from True Champ Fan 24 he says, when will the losses be enough? When will the records that we shouldn't be talking about, the bad records, the ones like the first 0-2 start since 1999 matter, when will Elway figure it out and walk away from the mess he created? Bowles is a goner. He'll never recover, and no matter how much he promises, I'm sorry, but four holding calls? I don't care that there were a couple declined. Does not matter. The defense played really well. All we really need is that general in the middle. Oh, wait, I forgot L.A. doesn't believe in top-end inside linebackers. <laughs> Lay every loss from here on out at his feet. I love y'all. Let's go get some in Green Bay. A little encouraging news. Bryce Callahan and Todd Davis are both scheduled. Vic Fangio believes they'll play this week. I think you, you could also say he's he's been hopeful the past few weeks, but it really does seem like at least Todd is trending in that direction. And Todd, is it's positive for Todd, but that being said – how much is he really going to improve the fortunes? You know, this True Champ fan talks about uh, top-end inside linebackers. Yeah, the Broncos have believed that it's a position they can address later on in the draft. Just go back to how they found Dane Trevathan in the sixth round back in 2012. But other than getting some good play out of Brandon Marshall as a waiver claim, it hasn't quite worked out there. I do know somebody that does believe in top-end inside linebackers and that's Vic Fangio, and that's why I expect you'll see somebody picked at inside linebacker or a big free agent signing in 2020. Next one coming in from Official Fink. He says, gumballs and yadam. That's all I'm going to say. But if we finally had some decent return play, albeit limited, and I saw some flashes from both the offense and defense that give me plenty of hope, we are dying by inches. Love y'all. P.S. Mace, longtime fan. Welcome to the fam. You're, wo- you're welcome, and uh, I think they're dying by 10 yards at a time. Holding penalties. Yep. On offense. Yeah, inches would be better at this point. Although, I mean, death by inches with a with a timeout coming with milliseconds on the clock, that feels very uh, inchy. <laughs> and Fangio did kind of clarify death by inches being more the stuff Monday through Saturday, but that manifests itself on Sunday. Garrett Bowles having poor technique comes from not incorporating what he's learning. Monday through Saturday. Uh, sorry, Vic Fangio's learning a tough lesson of just like if you say one thing, <laughs> it can stick with you forever. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to Denver. Yeah, he's going to have to talk about <laughs> death by inches every week for the rest of his career. From Sir James Radio, guys, I need a hug. Outside of the very bad holding calls, Bowles honestly didn't have that bad of a game. He was tasked <laughs> with a lot to, to handle, played averagely which at this point is really best-case scenario for him on the team. So we're grading him on the curve now. Oh, man. How's the play, Miss Lincoln? (laughs) That is quite a curve. I have been pounding the table for this. I want to address that. Every, Every player in the NFL is capable of good plays. But it 
you have to be judged by your low end because that's what hurts the team. You can't like let's just say let's let's put it on Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco can go 26 of 30. But if the four incompletions are inter- interceptions, we're going to say he had a bad game, you know? Right. So it doesn't matter if you're able to put together decent play 90% of the time if the 10% of the time is killing the team. But one thing, if your high end is exceptionally high, you can withstand your low end. You remember Trendon Holiday? His high end as a returner was better than anybody else in the game, but when he fell back a couple of notches... The Broncos couldn't live with the ball security issues that he'd always had. And, and Garrett Bowles can't score touchdowns. Right. Right. Well, and, and also, Garrett Bowles doesn't get the benefit of the doubt, guys, because this wasn't one bad game. This, you is, know? this is four in a row over which he's had at least one holding penalty each time. He now has eight holding penalties in the last four games dating back to last December. Oof. That's bad. Back to Sir James Radio's comment. I have been pounding the table— Fortunately for Ryan, I'm not pounding the table literally here. For this team to ride the shiny Rolls Royce that they have, as much as we all love Phil, Freeman is tailor-made for the red zone. I'm not sure why they're so hesitant on doing what comes comes natural. I understand not wanting to take one of your best players off the field, but ride the hot hand there. Finally, the officiating in this game was so bad that even Joe West was ashamed. The entire game from them was an embarrassment to the league. I don't know if we're going to start calling Adrian Hill country. Adrian Hill, like we call Joe Ugh. West. <laughs> but it was bad. It was bad all across the board. He was a rookie. He's a rookie official. And there were some rookie officiating mistakes out there. Definitely. Next one's from Ozzy. He says, disclosure, I'm eight strawberry skies into this comment, <laughs> so I'm not 100% coherent. We didn't play well, especially on offense. I'm sure others in the community will talk about the issues with the team. So I will take this short amount of time to talk about how incompetent Roger Goodell is at his job. The officiating is awful, not just in the Broncos game, but for both teams, and in every game, including the Saints and Rams. Yet he continues to ignore the officiating issues. Fire him, force a resignation, impeach him, whatever. He is awful. (laughs) And it's not just the handling of abysmal officiating. The way he's handled everything else, including suspensions, as well as other aspects of the league, proves he's stupid and lacks intelligence. Seems pretty coherent for eight deep. Yeah, Yeah. I'm impressed by the quality of the grammar and syntax in these responses. But here's the thing with um, Roger Goodell. He's getting paid those massive annual checks to take the bullets for the 32 teams and their owners in the National Football League. And they're generally pretty happy with how he takes those bullets. Unless something changes drastically, he's not going anywhere. Exactly. Who who would, just like we say about John Elway, who's going to fire John Elway? It's for different reasons, but... I don't believe Joe Ellis is going to fire John Elway. And it's the same. Why would these owners that are making so much money because of what Roger Goodell is doing, why would they fire him? They won't. All they care about is the bottom line. They only care. They would only care enough to fire him if something goes massively wrong in these next CBA negotiations and they don't get what they're expecting to get from the next round of TV and streaming contracts. Next one coming in from Hard Rocker says just a couple things here. A. How does next year's draft class look? We're probably going to be drafting second. I don't think we're as horrific as Miami. B, I think it's time to start trading people. The season is not going anywhere, so why not just start stocking up draft picks? C, I am just a I am just as done as everyone else with Bulls, but Leary is just as bad. Leary hasn't had two games that he's going to want to put on his resume tape. Yep. To put it kindly. 
And um, and that's unfortunate because your whole thing with Leary is, well, if he's healthy, at least we know he's going to play well. Is he healthy, though? Right. Or is he struggling with the injuries that he's been dealing with? That's a, a valid question. Fair, definitely true. And guess what? You've got nowhere else to turn. you got Austin Schlotman. You ride. You have to ride Ron Leary for as long as he can. And when he, if he can't go, he can't go. Um, notion that start time to start trading people. We kind of addressed that last night. Um, it is a. It's too it's early, early right now. But yeah. if you are zero and three, one and four, one and five, or two and five going in October, then I think you really have to start thinking about it. And also, you want to trade people as good a value as they're going to have von miller it and and i'm i'm start starting at the top i know but von miller this is probably the worst value he's ever had i i think four game sackless streak i think he will probably get a sack or two at some point in the next few games so maybe just wait until then and don't worry it's there's no conversations going on now about trading von and then next year's draft class we'll get plenty of that of course there's a draft podcast here mm-hmm. on the BSN broadcast a whole, network a whole year almost to talk about that but there are I mean it's I a, like I like some players at the top of this draft it's a good offensive line class and I think that's something that Broncos country is really going to want to hear but to if you're picking very high to justify picking an O-lineman you've got to make sure that Drew Locke is the answer for the future. Do you have a name for people to watch in term, on, on the line, or should they wait for the draft podcast? Wait for the draft class, but the guy I like best, even though he might be available as you get to around pick 10 or tick, pick 11, is interior lineman, likely a center, Tyler Biotish out of Wisconsin. Ah, yes, you're Wisconsin, Wisconsin boys. Wisconsin, hey. All right, I'll next see him in person Saturday. All right, next one's from Missouri Bronco. Maybe you can give us a scouting report. I'm certain beyond uh, a doubt that Elway is keeping Bulls and Yadam in prominent roles solely who, so he can play our stars and preach win now, all while resting assured our two misfits will guarantee a tank fall right behind the Dolphins. Whoa, Convince whoa, whoa, me whoa. I'm wrong. I can, I can <laughs> guarantee you that John Elway does not want to lose. I, I just That's not know his that. mindset. Uh, overreaction aside, I think it's time to blow the team up. <laughs> that sentence is amazing. Uh, we have some young, we have some young talent to hold on to, but there's a clear spark missing since Peyton. Maybe it's time to rebuild for real, even if it means, and I personally do not want this, parting with players like Vaughn. We have a losing culture, and it's going to take more than a good draft or a decent free agent. Hey, Missouri Bronco, reg your piece there, Ryan. Yep, I completely <laughs> agree. Um, I don't know who who you're going to trade, and obviously you don't want to trade guys that have bad value at that moment. But if this thing start keeps unraveling, look, they could go beat the Packers this week. We're not expecting it, but a couple, a pick six one way and a fumbled punt the other way, and a game can flip on its head. So they could be one and two with a chance to even the score at home against against the Jacks. If they're making trades, the guy, the biggest guy, I think that would be dealt if they do become sellers will be Chris Harris Jr. Yeah, and that that that's an easy one. And uh, we're saying all of just projecting where it's going. The Broncos haven't been 2 and 6 uh, under John Elway. The Broncos haven't been 1 and 7 under John Elway. This would be something that we haven't seen before and maybe that's what forces John Elway to say, "Shoot. They, I need to do it." They have been 1 and 4. And it was when they changed to Tim Tebow back in 2011. But remember, mm. they were coming off of 4-12. and 12. Everybody accepted what they were. And really, part of the point was of putting Tebow out there was Kyle Orton, those fans were going to just eat him alive if you kept throwing him out there in front of 
the home crowd. They were done with Kyle Orton at that point. It was a matter of, okay, we inherited this first-round pick in Tim Tebow. He's probably not going to succeed, but let's let's toss him out there and just find out. We're 1-4. and four. The season's going awry anyway. And then it was crazy from that point forward. But th- I don't think there's a real – it's too bad. Game Tim turner. Tebow ain't walking through those doors. Because, well, they schemed for Good. him perfectly, the yep. Broncos. And for a few weeks, it worked until everybody stayed disciplined on the edges and caught on, and then it was game over. Now he's at, uh, busy on SEC Network having bad privilege takes about oh, why players shouldn't get paid. Golly, that was bad. So bad. All right, from Andreas3000. Hey, guys, not commented for a while now, but this gut punch of a game has me already looking to the future, and I'd really like to get your thoughts on the possibility of building draft capital. First, let me thanks as, say thanks as always to you guys. RK and Zach are great as always, and awesome stuff to have Mace on board now as well. Personally, I'm really encouraged by the offense, but not Canadian for this spelling. Yeah, uh, but not for this season. For two or three years' time, there's clearly talent with Lindsey Freeman, Reisner, Fant, Sutton, and Hamilton, and hopefully Locke can become our quarterback of the future. Right now, though, they're clearly missing pieces, and so is the D. And the playoffs are looking most unlikely. So, if the record is two and six or worse by the October trade deadline, do you think LA and company would finally admit that they need a bigger rebuild than than let some of the stars go? If so, what might be achievable? A first for Vaughn or Chris? Anything for Emmanuel? Anyone else you might want to send off? Also, what draft capital might be gained from compensatory picks this year? Thanks as always, guys. Go 2021 Broncos. Wow, I already given up on this one. Oh, wow. Well, the, inter- one. the interesting thing with the compensatory picks is that if you trade Chris Harris Jr., Emmanuel Sanders, players of that ilk, you want to make sure that what you get surpasses what you would receive in compensatory picks if you kept them and then lost them in free agency the following March. And you're 100% right. And here's what we also have to remember is, let's say the Broncos do go into a seller's mode. They're not going to get rid of seven players. They're they're, they're not even likely going to get rid of three players. It, it, It would be, if they truly go into a seller's mode, it's probably, you know, Chris... Maybe Vaughn. I'm not projecting that, but but I mean, you're only talking really one or two. But Mace, you're right. So you'd have to get, especially for a top end guy, you'd have to get better than a third, a, a third round pick, or I guess a third would be better than what a compensatory. Third because would that's be. basically between third and fourth. So let, right. to go back to Chris Harris Jr., if you get a third rounder for him, you're probably taking it. Yep. And and teams know that. Teams know that you're not going to take a fourth. Right. And that. Y- you want the two, yep. but you'll settle for the three. So. Would you be willing to trade any of your players to any team if you're John Elway? And really, I'll narrow it down, New England and or Kansas City. No. Which one? Either of them? Kansas City. You wouldn't trade? You're not in the, you're not in the realm with New England right now, but Kansas City is right there in your division. Because you're struggling and you're two games back in the division and you're now 11-23 and 23 in the past two-plus seasons, you're not concerned about New England at all. So Kansas City That's says another world. We'll, we'll give you a second, which is going to be you know a very late second for Chris Harris. Uh, if you can tax them extra because based on the fact that they're in the division, then you have to think harder about it. Well, here's what's interesting. Let's say the team that trades for a player lets him leave in free agency. So, for example, if a team sends a third for Chris Harris Jr. and then lets him walk and gets a compensatory third back, effectively they would be getting, say, half a season of Chris Harris Jr. for the difference between, say, the 
84th pick and the 96th pick. But then you can sign Chris Harris back <laughs> as a double agent. <laughs> he gives you all the secrets. Boy, does that just sound like a, a Bill Belichick move right there? Seriously. Hell yeah. It's funny thinking last year we were talking about like, oh, Shane Ray might go to the Chiefs. Yep. Chiefs could have him for free right now if they wanted him. Upstate Garbage Plate. With a f- name like Garbage Plate, are you from Rochester? Because the Garbage Plate is a culinary thing. It is. Of course you know. Rochester, New York. <laughs> That's what it's brought up for, yes. Yep, yep. Greetings, gentlemen. First and foremost, welcome, Mace. I'm beyond ecstatic that one of my favorite sports reporters across all sports has joined this amazing family. I'm a huge fan of your work. Thank you. I want to take this time to preemptively eat an L on my hot pocket hot take that gumballs would be a pro bowler. My bad, guys. Mm. (laughs) This one hurt beyond poor officiating. We had so many chances to put the Bears down and couldn't do it. I would be so okay if John came out and said we were rebuilding and trust the process. My hockey team, the Devils, has been rebuilding since 2015, and there's a different excitement to watching a rebuilding team start to find their groove as opposed to flailing around in mediocrity. There is no shame in rebuilding to try to make a dynasty because Joe Flacco and Garrett Bowles do not a dynasty make. On to some more positive things. kind of talks like you. <laughs> about that. Thank you guys for introducing us non-Coloradans to Breck Brew. We only get vanilla porter, oatmeal stout, and mango mosaic in western New York, Rochester. But holy crap, guys, damn good beer. Breck Brew is now the official beer of my D&D group. We all love it. Ryan, calling back to my last comment, Chopped has nothing on Top Chef. Ted Allen and Chopped got one James Beard Award. Top Chef got two. And Tom Colicchio won 2010's Best Chef, the highest award in the American culinary world. Not to mention the vast James Beard winning Michelin star awarding chefs who gained national recognition through the show. Hold on. Top, is Top Chef like a – like you got to watch all the episodes in a row. It's kind of like a battle for who can be the Top Chef. Or is it a one-off, 30-minute – anyone know? No, I've no never idea. watched it. Okay, because that's what I love about Chopped. You can just turn it on at any time. They throw them a basket, and they got to make something out of it. It's quick and entertaining and makes Wait, you hungry. Top Chef? I think it's a season. Okay, so yeah, see, I'm not, I'm not trying to commit long term to any more shows. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm already hours behind on Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> I've still haven't even watched Thirteen Reasons Why season three. <laughs> Football season does this to me. I cannot take on, on any season long shows now. If I'm just working and I want to throw on some Chopped in the background, that's easy. You need that thirty second or thirty minute. It's over, done. You get your conclusion, your epilogue. It's all self-contained. <laughs> I, I get that. Sorry for the stream of consciousness of a comment, but I've crushed the Western New York quota of Breck Brew myself recovering from that game. Much love, guys. Let's turn this around. Next one coming in from Iceman. He says, hey, guys, don't forget, we Broncos country love BSN and U3. 11 minus 23, or 11 and 23 equals a losing culture. See, I got confused there with the equals there. Mm-hmm. He says, for you math challenge, that is a 324 absolute losing percentage. 10 penalties is Raiders-like and zero discipline under Denver Mafia, a regression from even the Joseph regime. The only positive for me would be more Allie and Lindsay and North Carolina and Strawberry Sky. Go Air Force Academy. Sorry, Ryan. P.S. Mace, I'm a glass half empty guy. P.S. <laughs> P.S. Is it okay if we leap off the edge yet? <laughs> no. No. You we know need what, you here with us. You know what would, would honestly help? And this isn't going to happen anytime soon. But if it is if John Elway tells the fan base it's going to be a rough year or two. Wouldn't that ring hollow at this point, though? It's like too late. If he admits it, that would be the turning point. 
because it's too late now with, with not admitting it. But here's the thing. John isn't going to come on uh, on our podcast tomorrow and say, I'd like to announce that we are now rebuilding. No, it would be at the it would be in, a, in many, many months. It'll be after the press conference when they trade someone big. Mm, so but even then, can. I don't know if he could bring himself to say that word. Like he, uh, he might say something like reloading, right. resetting. Resetting would be a, a good. Uh, Remember, they tried to say around. it's not a rebuild; it's a reboot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, they got Quite booted, that's for sure. <laughs> Ref- refreshing, you know, a system refresh. I don't know. <laughs> say it, John. Just say the word. We need a hard reset. I can see him <laughs> saying it. The hardest reset you can get. Yeah, it was hard, that's for sure. Uh, from GC4V. <laughs> oh, my gosh. See, we can still have fun. Boys, this one's hard to swallow. <laughs> Stop it. Oh. it hurts deep. <laughs> oh my! Oh my. Uh, I saw a stat the other day that only 11% of teams that start 0-2 make the playoffs. Playoffs? That's a hard situation to be in. Oh, my God. Well, it's funny to even mention the playoffs in regards to this team. Yes, I agree. I do have one question. Do we win both or at least yesterday's game with Callahan and Davis on the team? I might say yes. I might say yes. I'll at least give you yesterday. Vic Fangio did give us that there was a blown coverage on the very final play, which allowed the Bears to get in score in field goal range. Bryce Callahan's there. Maybe the coverage isn't blown. You know what helps blown coverages? Pressure on the quarterback. Yep. yep. Um, he goes on. I have also. I also have a question about bottoming out. Who goes and who is still here in four years' time? When we've rebuilt, I can honestly say I only see Chubb, Reisner, and Phillip around at that time. Maybe Jewel, but who knows who else? I actually kind of like the way Josie played yesterday. Anyways, we aren't exactly young. Uh, so four years' time from now, a lot of guys will be back at the end of their careers. For example, in four years' time, is Simmons Simmons is turning 30 in on the back end of his career. Interested to hear your thoughts. If they re-sign Justin Simmons over the next three months, I think he's around, and I think he's a player that they want to have back Oh, but boy, I mean, you look around the roster. If they re-sign Adam Gotsis, he's coming up for free agency. He could still be in the mix. A Draymond Jones, if he develops, so I'd go still here. It's easier to say who won't be here. I think Emmanuel Sanders won't be here. Um, Derek Wolf. Derek Wolf won't be here. Chris Harris Jr. Garrett Bowles won't be here. Chris Harris Jr. won't be here. Vaughn Miller. Shelby Harris probably won't be here. Kareem Jackson. Kareem ja- uh, yeah, Kareem Jackson, four, four years. years, probably won't be here. The guys that you're going to keep are very simple. Look at these last two draft classes and then add in and sprinkle in. Uh, you've got to take probably a couple out that aren't going to pan out and then sprinkle in, you know, Justin Simmons, um, a Casey Kreider, if you just, if he does well, you just right. keep re-signing the long snapper because you don't want to worry about that position. There's two guarantees, Dalton Reisner and Bradley Chubb, and that's it. Phil, I don't think Philip Lindsay's a guarantee. Well, he's RFA after the uh, 2020 season. Right. Yeah, it, so. it's, there could be a lot of turnover, and that's what happens when you rebuild. Okay. Bronco 77, hey, guys, great pod as ever. Yesterday was hard to watch. Much has already been said about the holding calls. My issue is with the attitude towards them. 
Blaming officials is nonsense. No accountability from Bowles and Leary, with Bowles flat out denying he holds all the time. Some really strange calls by Skangs, too. Lining up Fant one-on-one with Cleo Mack was asking for trouble. Yes, it was. can't imagine they expected that when they <laughs> called the play. I, I, I don't know what they were expecting. Then you gotta have a, you got to have an audible. Right. you got to be able to check into something. And that's on to Flacco, too. That. He's got to yes. see that. Yeah, We can move the ball and score points, but not with all the penalties forcing us back. Our defense, in particular, Jackson and Simmons did a great job. We should be winning every game when we allow only 16 points to the opponents. I agree that the roughing the passer call was garbage, but the Bears had one, too, and it was also a bad call. What do you guys think about schemes for next week? I think we looked great when we played fast on the first drive. Quick passes and short runs tend to cut out the risk of holding penalties. Sorry for the long comment. Yeah, on offense, you got you, you to push the ball. I, I would go as quick as Joe Flacco can possibly go, but it kind of goes against what the Broncos want to do and, 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 and the, the slower, under center, and I, they're not going to change that just because it, it worked on one drive. They're, the organization, not just Rich Row, the organization is very, very set on this offense. I mean, in all reality, they were 30 seconds away from winning a game the way they expected to win games this season, which was ugly offense, great defense, and clutch play at the end. And if your pass rush is anything like it should be, game over. I wish I could live in an alternate universe to see how we would have sounded if they would have won that game. Because it still didn't feel good No, I think the, no. the issues would have remained... I mean, right. I think the tone of the covers would have been more positive, but we would still be st- sitting here talking about Garrett Bowles' holding penalties and the offense doing bupkis for three quarters. Next one coming in from Mr. Freeze. He says, some positive things to look for. Vic's defenses have never flourished in the first year. True. You like the Bears' defense? Vic built that. It didn't happen overnight, Mac excluded. One quick note on that, though, is Vic's never really had this much talent in his first year. Right. Yeah, that Bears' defense in 2015, it was a top-10 defense, but it wasn't top-10 talent. It was actually one of the best coaching jobs he's ever done. Our offensive coordinator is inexperienced, but I hope he can grow. This team is looking at another high draft pick, and there's really only a couple big holes that need filled. Hmm. Left tackle and DT, assuming Locke is the guy. Most teams, excluding the Patriots of late, have ups and downs. Right now, we're down. Last time we were really down, we got Von Miller. Some of the young guys on this team are showing some real promise. The last couple drafts are showing some promise as well. The gap in talent between defensive line and offensive line is the largest I've seen, and it's a league-wide problem. Munchak is the best candidate to fix that, given the right players. I'm not a praying man, but gosh darn it. I hope they bench Bulls. He's killing drives and games. Five holding penalties in one game? One was called on Leary that clearly was meant for Bulls, hooking Mac around the neck. Uh, you don't want to see that. You don't want to see him get benched because, look, we, we mentioned earlier, you can, ha- you can play good 90% of the time but have four bad plays. That's still a bad game. Well, if you throw out Jake Rogers, who I believe has been cut – was it nine times in his career? Is it 13? 13 times. 13 times in his career. You're not oh. going to get the 90% good. You're, you might get 70% good. Wow. And, Mr. Freeze, you make a good point about, look, you have the coaching staff, the, the young, I, Vic, not age young, but in terms of head coach experience-wise, young that you can, you can build the rebuild around these guys, and, and, and you have those pieces in place where it can, it, it can work. I disagree with you, Mr. Freeze, though, that they're just a few pieces away. I mean, being a quarterback away is a pretty huge piece to not have. Maybe it is Drew Locke, maybe it's not. But if you want to look at the offensive line, you have one piece on the offensive line in terms of 
that you really feel comfortable with, and that's that's Dalton. Next one comes in from Super Bowl. Sorry for the long comment, especially since I'm sure there will be a thousand comments on this pod. The disrespectful truth is that we have a rookie head coach, a rookie offensive coordinator, a new quarterback, a new offensive line coach, and new schemes. Things are going to take time to adjust. We also have not done any, ourselves any favors with how little we've invested into the offense until recently. I didn't buy into the offseason hype, so I guess that's why I didn't have such a knee-jerk reaction to this. But, guys, there was minimal changes on our roster this year. Yes, the players' names may be different, but if you look at the team historically, the same concerns are there. I think, truthfully, I'd be happy with the same win total as last year. I came into this year not looking to improve on the record sheet, but looking to see our young core take the next step uh, in which two games they and in which in two games they have. Sutton, Phil, Reisner, Freeman, Simmons. I also think we have the right man in charge now in Vic. Yeah, the delay of game penalty was awful, but I love the fact that, Druff, that Vic trusted his offense and his gut to make a move for the two-point conversion. Twice. I feel like last year that wouldn't have happened. I was talking with Burrito Chad last night, and you all hit on this yesterday. It's going to be bittersweet, but I have begun to prepare myself for what this team looks like by the end of the trade deadline and the start of next season. I believe there's going to be some major changes to the roster, and I would not be shocked to see guys like Wolf, Harris, Leary, McManus all gone. You can only change your culture after four years uh, of losing by starting fresh. I will say this for McManus. The, the tweet that he had, he somebody tweeted at me and then put McManus's Twitter handle on there talking about the missed PAT that was nullified by the offside. And Brandon McManus, he took responsibility for that. He said he got kind of you know, thrown off by the offside, and that caused the missed kick, said it won't happen again. So you're looking for stand-up people that you can keep building around. McManus, I think, is one of those guys. Yeah, he's also a guy, though, if you have a team mm-hmm. – around the trade deadline that feels they're really good but needs a kicker right but their gm is just thinking oh my god we're gonna lose just like the bears did last year because our kicker is not clutch that could be a a a good value play but boy oh boy i know that there are there's a lot of analytical schools of thought that say you don't pay the kicker but part of it is if you don't have that kicker it is a desperate soul crushing situation and just look back when McManus's first year in 2014 when he missed a short kick against Miami and you see the sideline reactions from Manny Ramirez and Demarius Thomas guys throwing helmets so a kicker who struggles is something that eats at you so if the Broncos did do something like that be very careful you don't want to create a problem where you don't have one very true doesn't look like the Bears will be in the market for a kicker no No. Eddie Dinero Pinheiro made his dinero yesterday from heck with you, Tom Brady 512. Well, boys, at the pace this thing is going, don't think we need to worry about other teams poaching our OC for their head coaching jobs next year. This was a frustrating loss that can and perhaps should be blamed on the refs, but the holding calls on offense and poor tackling on key defensive plays, along with the inability to stop that 74-yard drive on the ground, does still bring concerns, but honestly, I do think most of those are fixable. My tinfoil theory, earlier in the game, the refs called a roughing the passer on Floyd when it didn't look like much on live TV, so they had to make things even out by calling one on Chubb. Well, there's also the Eddie Goldman roughing the passer as well. It's very similar to Bradley Chubb's. People wanted to see some fire from Vic. I think we got that when they showed his reaction to the delay of game on the two-point conversion. Very tough loss to take this week, but there's still so much hope for what the team can do in all three phases and I feel that we're going to take off real soon, maybe even against Green Bay this weekend. It could be worse. It could be like the Dolphins and be outscored 102-10. to 10. Go Broncos. <laughs> At least the Dolphins fans didn't have hope. 
<laughs> right, right, exactly. And I don't think any of us are, are saying that the Broncos are legitimately going for the number one overall pick, in large part because of how bad Miami is. They finish and say, FYTB says, uh, I know my comments can be a little long at times, so I'll be my, do my best to be like Kevin on future comments and say to myself, why waste time and say a lot of words when few words can do the trick? <laughs> Next one coming in from Lone Star Bronco. He says, I agree with you guys. The ship is sinking. Save the important players and let the others go. Rebuild this thing while you have Chubb, Lindsey, Reisner, and Locke still young. Resign Simmons today. He may not have any interest in resigning with a 4 and 12 or worse team. Vaughn is one of my all time favorite Broncos. Trade him now. Chris is probably my favorite Bronco of all time. Trade him now. Restructuring Flacco, then going 4 and 12 or worse, is going to look real dumb if you don't have something to show for it. Y'all ready to adjust your season predictions of 9 and 7 and 8 and 8, I believe it was? Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pretty close. I'll adjust uh, if they lose to Green Bay because everything right now in how I perceive this team hinges on what happens at Lambeau Field. Yeah, I, I do have to keep in mind that they can pull off a crazy win this week of making go home and beat Jacksonville and be right back to, to 500. Do I expect it? No, but do I think it's impossible? No. And, and, and if you're 500 through four, then nine and seven is very achievable. It just doesn't feel like a team that's trending in that direction. It right doesn't, now. but at the same time, if you go to Lambeau and win – all, you have that in your back pocket. You feel like you can win any game you play. Exactly. I love the optimism shining through. Um, going on here from G Ham Chill. I've never despised the Bronco more than Gumballs. Not only does he suck, he has no accountability. We need to trade for Trent Williams like today. I knew this was going mm -hmm. to be brought up in G Ham Chill. Thank you for bringing it up. But no, 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 no. Because here's the thing. You're trending towards a really good pick this year. And you're going to give it up to just improve your left tackle play from an aging, older player that is going to help your team, but you're going to be giving up a ton. I mean, if you give up a first-round pick, you're giving up a top 10, top 5, maybe top 2, 3 overall pick for him. No way. No way. Yeah. 719 Sports. Hey, guys, one factor that's being ignored, and you may have mentioned it, I haven't been able to listen for a week, is how our starters saw almost no playing time over five preseason games, didn't have time to gel and get the rust out. So now we're trying to do so during the regular season, watch week four, and we'll start clicking let's go Broncos. Well, there were a lot of teams that didn't give their starters a lot of time either. Namely the Raiders, who you already lost to, and the Bears, who you lost to. Yep, and an mm -hmm. interesting thing, Vic was asked if he would have changed that, and he hesitated for a long time last week before saying maybe, maybe I would take a look at the, playing my starters more. In the I think the way to correct that is to have another set of joint practices mm. next year. You had one set this year. I think you try to have two sets next year. From H-Town Bronco, as long as we have Garrett Holds, we will no longer be a winning football team. He's an offense killer. Adam Rank was right. We might really go 2-14. and 14. Cool ending of the game, but even luck is going the wrong way for us. No matter what you say about the end of the game or the ref calls, it's still an L on the board. And let's not even start on the lack of accountability and ownership with this team. Everything is someone else's fault. So much for mob mentality. More like kindergarten mentality. Going to be a long season, boys. Yeah, I, I, I hope that the message from, from Vic to the team is, isn't about sulking in, in this and in blaming other people because that needs to be straightened out in the locker room. Dan Burke, I found it interesting that after the game, most of the players that were pointing fingers at the refs and the time on the clock were veteran players, in particular Shelby Harrison Wolf. I love Shelby, but ever since Ryan made that comment about him not looking to Lindsay for leadership last year, maybe think that he isn't necessarily a team guy. I know that he's playing for his first big contract, and I hope he secures the bag, but he's a player that I think will be allowed to walk. 
On the flip side, I found it interesting that Simmons was one of the few players who said that the team didn't do enough earlier in the game and it shouldn't have gotten to that point. I'm expecting a midseason extension. I think he becomes one of the leaders on the team moving forwards. I agree with every word of that. Yep, Justin. But, Justin's playing like we expected him to play, and he's always been a, a great leadership guy. Well, guys, if the strawberry skies aren't doing for doing it for you after these losses, head over to Total Beverage, where you can get stuff that's as hard as you can imagine. Uh, and if you use the code BSN2019 <laughs> online or on the app, you can get thirty percent off your total your 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 purchase of $25 or more. That's 30% off your purchase of $25 or more when you use the code BSN2019 at Total Beverage. I know there's that bottle of whiskey that you've been thinking about getting that's just maybe a little out of your price point. Well, hey, knock that 30% off. And on some of those bottles, that could be, you know, 30 bucks. So uh, make sure you check out the Total Beverage app or Total Bev uh, online and get your $25 off uh, you're, you're 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. All right, let's keep this thing rolling in the question section as it's gotten hot. From Vertical Socks, John Elway has consistently said that his philosophy is win now on. There's only one way to win now on in the NFL, and that is to have a franchise quarterback. There is no other way. The only bad thing to come out of the 2015 Super Bowl is that it seems to have convinced Elway that you can win in the NFL with elite defense and average quarterback play, but that has never been a sustainable model in the NFL. The only teams to win now on would have franchise quarterbacks, so shouldn't John Elway's focus be on developing a franchise quarterback? The Broncos are projected to have $54 million in cap room next year. They could add another 40 by trading Vaughn and cutting Joe Flacco. So what would you rather do? Keep putting Band-Aids on this team, convincing yourself that you can recreate 2015, or start fresh with Drew Locke and $90 million in cap room to rebuild the team in Fangio's image? I think you know all of our answers there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give me 90 and Drew. Yep. Uh, and I talked to someone today who wasn't convinced that even if things go south that Drew Locke would come off IR. Oh, no. And I think that's still a possibility, yes, that, that he doesn't come off. Which, to me, again, if you have a losing season and you don't get Drew Locke out there, it's a complete failure. It's one of the most useless seasons in Broncos history. You might as well case. have not even showed up. And that, that's why yesterday I kind of said false hope, whether it's week by week or during the season, it could be the very worst thing for the Broncos. If they, if they somehow win three meaningless games right before uh, Drew Locke can come off the IR, and John always says, oh, my gosh, well, now we're four and six. We're playing for this year. Uh, let's bring Theo Riddick and Jake Butt back, and then you go and lose the next three. That could be the very worst thing, not just for this team, but this organization. From Bronco Matt, my main reaction to the game is to cut gumball. No. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't do that. I'm sorry people are chanting to fire Vic. I firmly believe he's a great coach. VJ in no way was a good coach for this team. The bigger issue with the Broncos is that John Elway and Joe Ellis. Uh, this let's win now for the delusion of progress. Elway needs to let Vic do his job and rebuild this team from the ground up. Vic cannot stop death by inches when Elway is passing out yards of delusion, which honestly I think there, uh, there's little hope things will change for the Broncos until ownership is finalized. Vic can't do his job. It's going to take time. New defense, new offense, new coach, poor culture, and lacking talent. I'm a firm believer if Pat were still here, John would be in Arizona with VJ. I'm going to stick with the Broncos and cheer for them every Sunday. Sorry for the long comment. Look forward to your reaction. Keep up the great coverage. That's a natural way to feel right now. I, I understand. I'll say this. You're not going to see the wholesale changes from the top until the ownership thing is figured out. Exactly. And it that's just a fact. Exactly. Yeah. 
Bronco born, Bronco bred. All right, y'all. I can't get over it. It is not possible for the refs to blow the play dead, have the Bears call a timeout, and have the refs award the timeout in all of .5 seconds. That's just not possible. Why on earth was Chicago just allowed to have the timeout before the play was blown dead? I guess the real answer is that we shouldn't have allowed that completion in the beginning. Also, we had death by inches. Our defender shouldn't have been near the receiver. Just let him lay there and let the clock run out. With all that being said, not all hope is lost. If we can just get to 3-3 three and three before the Chiefs come to town on Thursday night, then maybe something that happen, can happen this season. Keep the faith, boys. Got to go 3-1 uh, and one in your next four to get to 3-3. Three and three. On the road in Green Bay, on the road in uh, Los Angeles. In One there last year. Yeah. It, you can do it. It's a quasi-home game. You can do it. You're 0-2. You sure are. Uh, and I'm fully with you on the death by inches uh touching the the defender down or the receiver down i get that it's human nature i just think sometimes uh, i think i think the patriots wouldn't have done it just let him lay there that sounds pretty funny (laughs) and one and then actually a follow-up comment do you want to read that that's all you okay L-O-L-R-K, I post that before I heard you basically said what I posted. Also, I know that this is how it is in basketball, but doesn't a timeout only count when the timeout is granted by the ref? In basketball, it is when the ref raises his hand and gives a timeout, not when it is called. But I imagine if Matt Nagy, he's standing by an official and he's signaling timeout, that hand can go up instantaneously, and I think it still would have left, if you had tenths of a second on the clock, still would have left about a tenth. I just want to think, what would we be thinking if this was the other side? We'd probably be saying, well, of course, of course you can do that. Bingo. You know? and, and so that, that's how I view it. Uh, next one coming in from Orange and Blue Devils. He says, to date myself just a little, I started law school at Duke Coach K's first winning year. 1983-84, after wow. losing 17 games in each of his first two seasons. Wow. His team stunk his first few years there, and people were calling for him to be fired. He just needed to get his sea legs under him, and it took a little time. My point is that the Broncos have a new coach, an offensive coordinator that is play calling for the first time, a new quarterback, a lot of new players, a lot of key injured players, and a lot of holes to fill. It's going to take some time for this to come together and gel. I feel like we have a good staff now. We may not be good this year. In fact, we may stink, but I feel comfortable that this staff will be able to learn and grow fairly quickly. And once they start building a team that fits their schemes, I feel like we're going to move towards some good seasons. I like everything you said. The problem is the message that was sent to the fans. If you had said all of these things, hey, look, we know it's going to take some time to gel, you know, like in Boulder, no one was expecting Mel Tucker to go to the college football playoff this year. People are just saying, hey, get us to 500, please, right. and we'll be happy. But you sell uh, people on, hey, we've got this going for us. Joe Flacco's a Super Bowl MVP. We, you know, we've got this new defensive coordinator, and, and, and it, people believe you. But the truth is probably what, in what Orange and Blue Devils is saying. It's, just, it, it's hard for everyone to now, after expecting and hoping for the playoffs, to reset themselves to, oh, it's going to take some time. And it's a good example there with Mike Krzyzewski because part of what he was doing, actually, my bad, two 17 straight lost seasons. Actually, his first year they went to the NIT with holdovers from the previous regime. But a lot of that was culture change and making up for some bad recruiting classes toward the end of the previous coach, the late Bill Foster's regime. Just like Luke Fangio has some work to do to make up for some bad drafts prior to 2018. Next one here is from Steve Atwater, Hall of Fame. Positive spin. Denver's only two games out of first place with 14 uh, games to go. Uh, I love it. I love there it. There we go. The gumball experiment is an epic failure, and our first-round pick 
better be a left tackle next year. I would openly embrace a Miami-type dive this season. What do we think we could get in return as far as draft capital for the following players we traded in this week? We kind of went over uh, all of this. Todd Davis we hadn't talked about. Day three pick. Yep. Shelby Harris. Day three. Joe Flacco. Day three. Okay. Mm, what about Joe? What about the Saints? What, what about yeah, the Saints? Or the, or the Steelers? What about what if Mason, uh, if Mason Rudolph keeps, in a, keeps him in it, then they probably are rolling. He had him. some promising moments. It was only his first game, but some promise in the second half. And the Saints really believe in Teddy Bridgewater and what he's done in that scheme in practice. It'd be pretty weird to have two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks in the same locker room. It would be. What if, what if a team does lose, they're in it, and a team loses their quarterback in week eight, week nine, week ten? I mean, p- please. Then you know. I mean, just look at the Vikings. You know they're going to be desperate, and they're going to give up more than they probably should. What, you don't believe me, Sean Mannion for them? No, he's <laughs> saying when they traded uh, for Sam Bradford. Right. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Tom, thirty-five, sixty-five. As I have been a Broncos fan since 1976, I have an offer to any of the fans that left early. I will gladly take any season tickets off your hands so you can go watch something else. I will worry about flight details later. This was never going to be an instant back to the playoffs year. You want to I want to say one thing. I had a media member um, contest me on the fact that fans were heading for the exits. Can I just hear your two thoughts on what happened when the when the interception happened on the goal line? I saw Five your picture left. and I saw it was okay, it wasn't like the place was clearing out, but there was a definite visible stream of people going up and down the aisles throughout the stadium. Oh, thousands. People were yes, thousands were leaving. I would say probably in the end of that little stretch. I'm not saying that 40,000 people cleared no. out. I would say it was several thousand people who okay. left. All right, I'm just making sure we're on the same page there because someone tweeted at me and it was like, I didn't see this. And I was like, well, well then they it weren't happened. That's not true. Yeah. No yeah. offense, but you probably weren't looking. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, you can if, go if on. If your it. idea is trading off the best players that we have, then I guess you need to go read the Finns' websites. They play what most consider to be a top five defense and lost at the last minute. Now we have an effing fire sale talk next day after game two give me a break how much of these problems are a direct result of letting a crappy coach have one more year vj was a poor choice and it will take this year to rid the team of his poor guidance and performance but again it's not just the poor coaching in the last two years it's the poor drafting before the 2018 and 2019 classes both of which look promising and there's just a uh, there's a problem of losing being a habit yeah, we gotta we gotta stop blaming VJ for, also, for problems. Also, it's not like now. VJ was coaching them to throw the ball to the other team and dive right. the opposite way. <laughs> right. Did you guys ever see the natural? Yes. Yes. A while when ago. they bring in the shrink, and he tells them, "Losing is a disease, as contagious as syphilis, impacting one, but infecting all." Yes, exactly. Yeah. And infecting one but impacting all. Either way. And it's you get what I'm saying. Full on contagion inside yep. that locker room. It is. It is. Next one from Alaska Preston. He says, Hey BSN fam, just want to say ouch. That was a rough end to the game. I'm sure Broncos country would be all doom and gloom, but I want to point out some positives. One, Justin Simmons, wow. We need to re-sign him yesterday. Two, the young players on the offensive line should be proud of themselves. I'm truly amazed at Riser McGovern and Wilkinson and look and how good they looked. Three, RIP Mr. B. He deserves a better outcome than that. Four, Jackson also looked amazing. What a great defensive back. Five, Freeman is legit. 
I almost wonder what last year would have looked like if he hadn't been injured. Maybe pencil in a win or two more? Six, Sanders is back. Seven for John. Eight, sorry, this is starting a long run. Sutton is looking really good. I can't wait to see Locke to Sutton in the somewhat near future. Nine, last one. If this continues, we'll probably get to see Locke this season. Overall, tough loss. I'm sure we will be commenting. there will be comments galore concerning Garrett Bowles, Chubb, and Miller's continued absence, etc. Just wanted to point out the good that was out there. I hope Fangio doesn't get skewered too hard. Gotta respect how gutsy he was. As always, thanks for all, the, thanks for all you do. I thought, you know, thinking back on it, losing culture and that sort of thing, I think uh, Vic going for two there was a great move for this football team. Like, that is, that is directly combating losing culture. It is trying to say, like, we are winners, and we're going to go make one play to get two yards to win the game. That's what we do. Unfortunately, it, it just couldn't overcome the inevitable, which was them uh, snatching – defeat from the jaws of victory well 31 seconds left and one timeout means it's possible for them to get in position but in the big picture I did like the decision even though I would say probably you would want to have less time on the clock before you decide to go for two and the bottom line is if you went for two in theory every time instead of one over the course of a season you could have seven to ten more points Mm. yep uh, next one's from Cope1771. Hey, guys, I see a lot of long comments, so I'll keep this short. We appreciate you. <laughs> I know it was a heartbreaker of a game, but we can't be too mad. If we would have had made plays when it mattered, one or two calls shouldn't lose it for us. Thanks for all you guys do. Yep, exactly. You, you should be good, good enough if you're a good team to overcome one or two calls. Mark Shippers. Hi, guys. Just a statement. No question. It was a fun but disappointing game. Hopefully people don't blame the officials. Sorry, Mark. A lot of people are. The Broncos lost fair and square. Still a lot of games to go. Hopefully with more success, go Denver and go BSN, Mark, in Kansas. I like those last two comments. Where you guys are coming from. I do, too. And I hope that's the message that's floating around. Next one from Oklahoma Bronco 58. He says, I feel like maybe part of Vaughn's struggles is that Vic is trying to change him into something he's never been. A coverage guy. He's dropping into coverage way more than he ever did at any point in his career. At the height of the Broncos' defense, Vaughn pressing... Pressing the issue every play was the biggest reason we were so good. When your opportunities are limited, it's hard to get a rhythm, and pass rushing is as much rhythm as anything. If sacks were easy, everybody would get multiple sacks a game. I think having him drop back in coverage so much is really causing a big issue with him and his consistency, and he never just looks out there, which I've never seen. And he looks lost out there, which I've never seen. Fix it, Vic. No, no. Here's the thing. Uh... When teams are getting the ball out that fast, the way to combat it is by dropping guys into coverage. And just having Vaughn rush on a play where the ball's getting out in two seconds is just a waste. And so, yes, you can't overdo it with the coverage, but you have to keep that thought in the quarterback's head or else they're just going to keep throwing the quick stuff, quick stuff, quick stuff, and Vaughn's going to be useless. I get that it's frustrating to see a guy who's so great at rushing the passer drop back, but you have to keep a little bit of doubt in the quarterback's head because otherwise they're going to continue going to that quick stuff. Last week we wanted to, we, we said, hey, Vic's got to find a counter to the quick stuff. Well, one of those counters is dropping more guys into coverage. Is this uh, you or me? I'll take it. Okay. I thought you were about to say something. Sorry. Uh, no, that's okay. <laughs> from LH Almeida. Hey, guys. Andre from Brazil here again. A long time away from comments. It's hard to catch up with all the content. Great work. Thank you, LH. Mm -hmm. 
actually Andre. Uh, if Elway won't admit it, I'll say it. We're on rebuild mode. No better year to try out the young guys and see what we have. And unfortunately, we'll have to deal with the process, but never lose the faith. Let's go Broncos. You guys always do great work. I hope if they lose on Sunday, they start acknowledging the reality of what they face. Exactly. 0-3 may, f- may make them realize that. Next one from Thick Fangio. He says, one, Flacco looks like a quarterback who is not worried about keeping a job in the NFL. He knows he can retire whenever, and I'm sure he wants to win games, but he doesn't need to worry about his next contract. Stop I disagree that. with Stop that. that. Two, <laughs> I realized I have a double standard with quarterbacks, LOL. It bothers me how comfortable Flacco is with throwing the ball away, but I realize that I'm usually yelling, dump the freaking ball in my TV, so this is definitely preferable to that. What are your thoughts on this? In the words of Kenny Rogers, you got to know when to hold him, know when to fold him, know when to walk away, and know when to run. Uh, except for you just can't run. That's all the yes. problem. But the other three options are there. Uh, Joe's done an amazing job getting rid of the ball, avoiding sacks, and avoiding turnovers aside from the one really con- uh, consequential throw on the goal line there. But I've been impressed with his situational um, – uh, aptitude. He is Joe Flacco. He's exactly what the Broncos thought they were getting. Three, he says, the cojones on Fangio going for two. Totally respected because I would have done the same thing in Madden, but definitely not if I was an actual head coach in the NFL. The last 45 seconds of this game was such an emotional roller coaster. Four, all things considered, we lost by a last second 53 yard field goal. My hope is this team is somewhat restored, but the schedule ain't getting any easier. Yeah, it didn't have to come down that 53-yard field goal, though. Right. That's part, that's sort of where I come back to yep. on this game. Shouldn't come down, gun down to that. From down the hatch, hello. <laughs> I don't want to feel like compiling on to what already feels like a very negative outlook on this team. It just can't be helped. After listening to predictions of 1-7 and 2-6 and and <laughs> for the first half of the season, I have to believe that they can turn around and be better than that. If not, then what is the point of any of this? To suffer through another below 500 season full of misery and disappointment? I want to feel good about this team, but then I am constantly reminded of reasons not to get my hopes up. It all starts sounding like a broken record. Offensive holding on number 72. Offensive holding on number 72. (laughs) Offensive holding on number 72. Then you hear Fangio say that 72 is their guy. They're sticking with him. Really, what choice do they have? None. That ship has sailed. This isn't just about bowls. Yadam has been a dumpster fire of missed tackles and blown assignments for two games now. The only reason he isn't being spit-roasted for his trash performance on the field is because Bowles' garbage play is stolen the spotlight. I hope they prove me wrong. I hope they come out on Sunday and clobber the Packers. It's what I need to see because right now I'm running out of reasons to care what they do this season. If there's any fight left in this team, they'd better find it this week. Otherwise, it's going to be a long season that most fans are not going to stick around to watch. Fair points. Yep. Very fair. From Cali Man Bronco. What up, my bro tacos? Woo, what a game. <laughs> Tough loss, but I agree with Shelby Harris. You find out who the ride-or-die fans are right now. I'm still repping my Broncos gear. I still believe in our coach, in our defense, and I believe we are going to beat the Packers. Now then, I believe the problem with our defense is that we are missing our dogs. We're in desperate need of someone on the defense, grabbing these guys by the face mask and getting them fired up, taking one more, uh, taking one or more questionable hits. We need the passion. With our defense being so passive, it makes everything just feel so bland. Thoughts? Damn good pod, go Broncos. Some of those do- dogs have been traded or let go and haven't been replaced. You don't have – I mean, T.J. Ward 
Didn't play well for Tampa Bay last year, but you missed that attitude and fire. You certainly missed the attitude and fire of keep the lead. According to uh, Von Miller, the Broncos aren't missing a dog. They're missing a thug out there in Todd Davis. I guess so. Next one coming in from Bronco Duck. He says, that was a hard game to watch. I love the call to go for two. That was refreshing. The holding penalties have been back-breaking. Switching topics, there's a silver lining to Locke being on IR. If he wasn't, we'd all be talking about pulling the plug on Flacco to see what Locke has to offer the team. Although that might be a fair take, it's not needed at this point. There are a number of issues with this team. I'm hoping they can focus on those issues without Flacco worried about the looming quarterback controversy. This team needs more more than lock. They need discipline. They need accountability. I've always hated when fans call out players. I'm in no place to call for a player to be benched. It's a man's livelihood at stake. I know they're doing their best. However... Bulls has to go. There are too many games over too many years to say anything otherwise. Our offense will never get anything going when the most important position on the offensive line is our worst player on the field. Coach Munchak is the best in the business, but he's not God. Bulls is not a starter in the NFL. Finally, I liked what Flacco had to say about keeping his head up. For what, for where the Broncos are as a team, I think he's the right man for the job. He knows what it takes to win. His attitude post game was just what I needed to hear as a fan. He was short. He has shortcomings, no doubt, but as a leader, he knows what needs to be done. When everyone else is in the locker room, seemed to be complaining about one thing or another. He talked about being accountable and keeping his head up, coming to work the next day. We need more of that on this team. Thanks again for the coverage. I appreciate you guys a lot. In regard to Bowles, former. Steelers and Bills general manager Tom Donahoe had a saying about uh, guys who were struggling, get him good or get him gone. Mm, yep. Going to have to wait. Going to have yeah. to wait till the end of the year. Yes. Yep. Count Flacula. Gents, I have momentarily awakened from my crypt, only to calculate at this time the Broncos' D is on pace to have zero sacks and zero interceptions by year's end. Charming. <laughs> Therefore, we'll retire back to the underworld and await good news. Yours always, the Count. Good to hear from you, Count. <laughs> uh, from the real links. Can we talk about Andy Janovich? He could single-handedly increase the production of the offense here. Right now, I see our running backs getting one to two yards before contact, which is something Royce has been handling phenomenally, but it keeps keeping Lindsey from making any real impact on the game. Most of Phil's production came from receiving. Plus, if Jano is here, you have a great blocker from the backfield who can help Garrett Bowles not look like the team cancer he truly is. Other than that, you guys have hit on everything I wanted to say. Think about this, though. Imagine a world where Joe Flacco went somewhere else and instead we got Trent Williams in a trade, had Drew Locke available to play, and had the ability to say that we can trade our first for Minka because Locke had shown enough, or we can't because he hasn't. I don't doubt John Elway's ability as a leader, but I do think he's getting in the Broncos' way. Imagine a world where you've got Locke or maybe you had Ryan Fitzpatrick. Not that he's doing well in Miami, but would anybody do well in that situation? And instead of the $19 million for Joe Flacco, it was $5 million on Fitzpatrick, $11.6 million on Quan Alexander, a linebacker. In a world <laughs> where the Broncos make much better decisions. Speaking of uh, good quarterbacks, the Manning-faced God comes in and says, so these are some depressing times as a Broncos fan. This feels like a loop starting from 2017. I think the biggest shocker from both games so far is how bad the defense has been. Uh, let's remember that they gave up 16 points. Right. Yeah, I get it. We don't have Todd Davis, but you would think we would have at least one sack by now. I'm the biggest Von Miller fan there is, but he's been a ghost these last two games. I partly blame the coaching because I don't understand why he's playing in pass coverage so much. This is Von freaking Miller. Let him rush the quarterback the whole game. 
Same for Bradley as well. Hearing about trading Vaughn for draft picks in the last pod is something I hope I never happens because he should finish his career with the Broncos like Ray Lewis did with the Ravens, but it just seems to be trending in that direction, especially since those rumors started last December in January. Also, I'm sure Gumballs is causing all all of us Broncos fans have high blood pressure or something. He's definitely one of the big reasons why we aren't winning. I'll wrap up my vent session with this last comment. But if we aren't rebuilding, Emmanuel Sanders, Chris Harris Jr., and Simmons definitely need a new contract because those guys are balling out. Thanks, guys. Got the next one there, Mace? Yeah, I got that. Dreadhead the Broncos last one, fan. actually. What's going on, guys? Can we start the countdown to Drew Lockmas, or is it too early? <laughs> I'll just say it. It's too early. Let's at least see what happens in Green Bay on Sunday. Not to mention, uh, there, there's no Drew Lockmas even. You can't even consider it until week six when he can start practicing again. Right. Just asking for a few fans. Also, Bowles is delusional if he thinks he's made progress because after yesterday, he's gotten worse and worse and worse. I'm damn near on the edge, guys. Try to talk me off it. Well, I would say come back from the edge and have strawberry sky. And just chill out a little bit. Yes. Have a strawberry sky and know that we love you no matter what the Broncos record is. (laughs) And with that, a mere 90 minutes later, I think we're going to wrap things up on today's BSN Broncos podcast. We will talk to you, as always, tomorrow. We thank you guys for tuning in, and hopefully there are brighter days ahead. Green Mountain Dental has a long-standing tradition of being one of Lakewood's best family dental care offices. Um, I have been a patient since I was three, which is in 1974. You know, my parents, myself, and now my children all go there. It's just a great place to be, very positive experience with them, definitely. New patients can receive free teeth whitening trays when they schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Also, all colored sport mouth guards start at just $25. The doctors will come out and visit with you, um, ask you how your family is doing. You know, just very friendly and family oriented. It's just very comfortable to, to be there. That's GreenMountainDentalGroup.com.